you know, my favorite line of any announcer is the German guy who says beer hook in German later on in the show. <laughs> I actually looked it up. Yes. I was like, he says like Spearhaken or something like that. And I'm like, is that a legit <laughs> thing? So I typed it in like Google Translate and it sent me to the page for Spearhook. And then the definition of Spearhook was like the quote, like from speed was reference to speed racer and, you know, a hook used in the car. Welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I am joined today on this Father's Day special by my actual dad. Dad, welcome to the show. Hey, Angel Face. How you doing? I'm doing good. You know, I just watched uh, one of my favorite movies and also one of yours. And I always ask my guests at the beginning of the podcast, you know, why they pick to watch what we've watched, which is why, of course, now I have only one question for you. Why did we watch Speed Racer? Well, it's got a bad rap. Even... By everybody, really. By old guys like me who remember the cartoons and by young kids like you who think like it's too corny mm-hmm. to be a good movie. And I think everyone should rewatch it. Yeah, I would I would agree. I love this movie, which is very critically panned. Uh, and I, I have learned recently that I have a wiki page from um, Overly Sarcastic Productions, uh, and it lists me as a great fan of Speed Racer. So this episode really feels like just the natural evolution of that reputation. Well, you, <laughs> you were raised right. That's mm-hmm. uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess nothing to do there, but uh, dive on into the thrilling adventures of Speed Racer from 2008. Another, our second in a row, uh, Wachowski, Michael Giacchino feature film here. So we pick up uh, with these crazy kaleidoscope credits. The checkered flag fills the screen and the titles pop up. It's a very 2008 CGI title, uh, Speed Racer. I liked liked the opening. I liked the opening. I liked how it called back to the cartoon. Mm -hmm. And I liked the cartoon style of the movie. You know, there's like Mm -hmm. a, a handful of movies that kind of you know, were developed from the old cartoons when I was a kid, you know, like Transformers or, I don't know, The Grinch or Avatar, stuff like that. (laughs) And I thought Speed Racer was like the most cartoon-like of them. I don't know. And I liked that about it. It wasn't trying to be too serious. Yeah. A lot of people give it a bad rep for its very over-the-top special effects, but I think that that is part of what makes it so fun to watch because it does look like a live action cartoon like if you asked me to picture in my mind what the real version of the speed racer cartoon looked like this movie would be what i would show you what i would describe and so it it's an overwhelming amount of uh colors and motion at times but it it also is part of what makes the movie work so well yeah i agree with you i i it does it's what I imagine that the cartoons would look like if, mm-hmm. you, if they came to life. Speaking of coming to life, Speed is our titular character, Speed Racer, the driver of the Racer Motors family. He is waiting in the locker room that I did not know that racetracks had, but that's the first of many things we'll learn about racing throughout this movie. <laughs> PA system says, all drivers to your cars, please. And Speed, of course, has only one thing on his mind, the race. Cut to him in the past. 
young speed in school. He's taking a Scantron test and he's having a lot of trouble focusing. He's making flip books of car crashes and filling in the Scantron bubbles to spell out Go Rex Go, the name of his older brother and former racer for Racer Motors, Rex Racer. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, so we just talked about how much I love this movie and there's part of it that I really think is one of the reasons that it got panned so much. Mm-hmm. And that is that it's just way too long. Like, I watched it a while back because we we're going to talk about it today. And it's two hours and 15 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't have two hours and 15 minutes of plot. or And it's hard to look at, like, the cartoons for two hours and 15 minutes. And I thought where it really went off the track, get it? Off the track? <laughs> um was um, with a lot of the flashbacks. Mm -hmm. I thought like you could cut a lot of that out. And then you'll get into, you're going to talk about the plot, but there's a lot of places where you could have cut. The only places I wouldn't touch are the race scenes, which I loved. But a lot of the, a lot of the character development part (laughs) kind of dragged. You shouldn't have a two-hour-long cartoon. It should have been like an hour and a half, and then I think um, you wouldn't have lost so many of the critics and people that don't like it. Mm-hmm. It is. It does have this movie does have a very straightforward plot for uh, being two hours long. But having watched a lot of two-hour-long movies for this podcast, this is one of the better ones. So I do give them some credit and at least being engaging the whole time. But I think you're right that there are parts where they could cut. Uh, at least a little bit of the time off. This opening sequence in particular is a little bit long. We are watching Young Speed, clearly not paying attention to school and all in on loving racing and his family's legacy. His mom gets called in to talk to his teacher, who's like, who is Rex? And they explain that Rex is Speed's older brother. As Speed races out of the classroom at the end of the day, he (laughs) goes to the waiting car of his brother Rex, the Mach 5, and as they drive off from school, Speed convinces Rex to take him to the track with him. Rex relents, and they go to Thunderhead, the track that the race in the present is currently happening at. And this is one of the uh, scenes that I think has some of the coolest special effects in the movies, because the entire scene, we're cross-cutting between young Speed Racer and establishing everyone, all of his family members and everyone in the past, and current Speed Racer racing around the track Thunderhead where his brother holds the record and so he is racing the ghost of his brother in the present uh, and so we get a lot of scenes where the kind of spectral Mach 4 car is going around a turn in line with the Mach 5 with speed driving it in the present day yeah I love I I love that mm-hmm. I, I thought that was so cool and that you know that's that's something they just came up with for the movie it's not I don't remember any of the cartoons dealing with that well the cartoons actually you want to talk about uh, Rex Racer? I, I don't know that you do. You do spoilers in your podcast. I don't uh, know the whole movie. The, the, the whole, whole podcast is a spoiler for whatever movie we're talking about. So you can okay. and Speed Racer so, has been out I guess, for a long you're, time. You're talking about the whole plot. <laughs> yeah, we're talking over. Mm-hmm. So anyway, in the cartoon, you know, every time you see Racer X, the announcer, like, in ha- a little stage voice, says who unbeknownst to speed is his older brother Rex Racer, right? Mm-hmm. But in the movie they they turn that around and they use that as the big reveal in the movie. Like 
they don't tell you who Racer X is in the whole movie until the very end. So if you had never seen the cartoon and you hadn't figured it out by the end of the movie, it's this big, you know, aha moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was kind of clever. The whole plot sort of r- runs around this. Why did Rex leave his speed, you know, following in his brother's footsteps? Is he going to be a tragedy and all that stuff? So it's interesting how they do that. But the the race in the beginning where he's racing the ghost of his brother and his brother has the track record and speed is is maybe going to break his brother's record um, and sort of erase his legacy from that track and then takes his foot off at the last minute. Uh, that was really exciting. Mm-hmm. And the flashbacks for each character, to, you know, the flashbacks of where they came from and, and how they're part of the family. That was all super cool. Oh, yeah. I think this is it's a really strong opening sequence. And it does a lot of explaining a fairly large cast of characters in a fairly limited amount of time. So, uh, we, you know, we, we continue to cut between the present race, which is exciting. The, the way that they've um, animated all these races is just very fun to watch. And never, uh, it makes you feel like you're in the car without necessarily being a first-person view from the driver's seat, which I think is really neat. And, uh, you know, we continue to cut back and forth between the present and the past. We see Speed and Trixie as youngins. Young Trixie is... Uh, actually played by one of the daughters from Modern Family, whose actress's name is escaping me, uh, Ariel Winter. Ariel, Ariel, right? Ariel Winter? Yes. She plays the young Trixie, which I was like, oh, hey, I recognize her. Yeah. <laughs> she defends Speed uh, against some by punching one of the bullies, and he, young Speed drives right into a hedge. It's a very cute little meet-cute moment. Uh, yeah. Cut to the future, where she's watching the race alongside Pops and Mom Racer uh, and Spritel and Chim Chim, who are Speed's younger brother and his uh, monkey friend pet. <laughs> <laughs> and also Sparky is there, who never really gets a character introduction, but he's sort of like the pit crew um, assistant to Pops. He does say the line, yeah. holy cannoli speed, do you know who you're racing? To kind of set up for us, the audience, that he's racing his ghost the ghost of his brother's record and also it's a every every line in this movie is fantastic the holy cannoli speed just sets you up for gold right out the bat and the cast is is top notch oh right? yeah i mean john goodwin and susan sarandon are the parents mm-hmm, mm-hmm. emile hirsch ritchie speed. Was, christina ritchie yeah right star studded speed rate the guy who played speed is the one guy i don't really know from other stuff yeah, so he was played by Emile Hirsch, who's kind of more famous, I think, for some of his voice acting roles than he is necessarily acting. Kind of looking at his IMDb page, he's done a lot of animation in the more recent years. Uh, he was also in uh, Into the Wild, The Autopsy of Jane Doe, kind of like more art housey films. But he's and he was in. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch that Into the Wild. I, the book was great, but I haven't seen the movie yet. Yeah, well, you would recognize Speed Racer if you saw it. I- <laughs> Well, that's gonna that might cause me a little bit of a problem because I've actually so the guy who plays we haven't gotten to him yet, but the mm-hmm. head of the evil racing empire, mm-hmm. that guy, the British guy. Yes. Um, so I just started at a friend's advice watching a, a series called Endeavor, which is like a, a murder mystery kind of thing set in the in the fifties in England, and mm-hmm. that guy is the good cop on the show <laughs> but i can't get over the fact that he's like was so mean to speed racer in this movie <laughs> so i'm two or three episodes into that show and i'm still seeing him as has the evil race car empire guy so maybe it's best if i just leave into the wild as a book at this point and not 
because otherwise I'll think of Speed Racer mm-hmm. going into the wild and disappearing, and yeah. I'll be upset. I feel like that's a testament to just how well everyone in this movie played their roles, too. Like, they had a great cast, and then everyone also is very convincing in the cartoon character that they're playing, even the over-the-top villain character. It's like, oh, no, I, I fully believe that you are, in, like, an evil capitalist car maker who wants to take down the mom-and-pop racer family, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so his whole family's watching. You get some more flashbacks, see a little bit of what happened to Rex. You know, we get the tragic story of Rex Racer. He was always racing for Pop, and then one night they got into a fight. He left, and uh, he began driving dirty, according to all the announcers. He lost a lot of the public admiration, and tragically, during Casa Cristo, he was in a car crash uh, and perished, as far as we know. So unlike in the cartoon, we don't we assume the audience does not yet know that Rex Racer is Racer X. Yeah, that Casa Cristo race... Um was a callback to my favorite of the Speed Racer cartoons, which was the car acrobatic races. Oh. I, I, I don't know the name of the title. It might have been like the Dangerous Race or something. Mm-hmm. But it was when Speed Racer uh, raced the deadly and uh, criminal car acrobatic team. And the racer in that team was uh, Snake Oiler. Yes. Who the sort of the evil racer in, in this movie. Um but the race, that Casa Cristo race through the canyons and stuff was like this dangerous race from the cartoons. It was probably, I don't know, if you ask anyone my age, probably one of their top two or three Speed Racer episodes. It's one of the um, few ones that I think I, is we've watched a few episodes when I was younger. It's yeah. one of the few ones that I could call out having seen in the past. There was one or two moments in this movie where I was like, hey, I know what that's referencing, but uh, that that's one of them. So we're watching the race cut back to the present speed. He's nearing the finish line. He's neck and neck with the record his brother set, his whole family, and also Trixie and Sparky are watching. The excitement in the stadium is palpable, but at the last second, he eases up on the gas and Rex's ghost passes him for the finish line, staying on the leaderboard. And uh, Speed, as well as his pops racer, give a little kind of like sigh of relief because they know that even though he could have set the new record, uh, he's choosing to let Rex's memory stay there at Thunderhead. It's very moving. Um, at that length. was. That was a very cool scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a little cutaway to a shadowy figure watching his race, saying that he's not just going to be a good racer, he's going to be the best. We have no idea who this is yet. And then the next day, the racer residents, Spritel and Chim Chim, are watching a cartoon. They kind of have like a little cartoon sequence where they're sort of like in the cartoon itself fighting each other before their mom busts in and stops their nonsense, asking them not to break her latest couch. See, that's that's like you could have cut that out, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're the film you're the film student and I'm just the armchair critic, but you know, if you got an, a movie that's two and hours mm-hmm. or fifteen minutes long, you know, it's that's that's I think one of the things that they were struggling with, and I saw this throughout the movie, was they wanted to like make it kid friendly, mm-hmm. you know. So they had um, Spritel and Chim Chim doing stuff, and a lot of the stuff that's supposed to be kid friendly struck me as like when grown ups try to be funny for kids and they're not, <laughs> you know, like. Like the whole, it reminded me, did you ever see that like kids show Caillou? Yeah, I've seen, right? <laughs> I've seen Caillou. Where like the grown up talks in the baby vo- voice and nothing's really funny to anyone mm-hmm. of any age. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a lot of the Spritel Chim Chim stuff was like, 
I think grown-ups pretending to be kids, pretending to be funny, and it just it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. But there were I'm some, old and grumpy, so. <laughs> there were some Spritel and Chim Chim bits that I think actually did work really well, but I don't know if that's because when I first watched this movie, I was the kid who would have found Spritel and Chim Chim funny, and I just have nostalgia for that, or if they are actually <laughs> holding up that well. The racer residence gets a call, Spritel answers the phone, someone asks to speak to Speed, but Spritel hangs up, uh, saying that Speed has to drive for Pops, so we get the uh, understanding that, you know, Speed is trying to be recruited by a lot of people, but he's got a loyalty to Racer Motors, they're a family company, they stick together. Everyone sort of gathers around for breakfast when suddenly the whole house starts shaking. Uh, as the shaking subsides, the doorbell rings, and a man with flowers and a fancy jet is out there. Can't hear him quite at first, but he eventually turns the jet off and introduces himself as the chairman of Royalton Industries and joins them to very dramatically eat some pancakes. They do like a whole close-up shot of this guy eating pancakes. It's almost uncomfortable. He, he was good. And He's so like, good. You knew he... Because you knew he was evil from the beginning, mm-hmm. even though he wasn't doing anything wrong at the time. And he was complimenting, you know, mom on her pancakes and being nice to everybody. But you just kind of had the feeling that he was evil. I don't know exactly how they set that up, but <laughs> probably credit to him and to his and to the to the director and stuff, because he kind of just used some clues to show he was evil. Yeah, well, something subtle that they do throughout the movie that this is a good point to bring it up is the racer family is always in kind of primary colors. They're red, blues, and yellows, and they have some accent colors thrown in, but generally the whole movie is very highly saturated, but those three colors are always what the good guys wear. And Royalton, of course, wears very royal purple, uh, but it kind of also color codes all the bad guys in the movie because they'll all sort of be wearing tertiary colors like purple or green. And uh, once you notice that, it's sort of like when you notice that a character isn't using an iPhone in a movie and you know that they must be a villain because Apple doesn't let um, villainous characters use their products. Uh, once you notice that someone is wearing purple in this movie, you can assume that they're actually probably on the bad guys team. Oh, very cool. I noticed that. Or maybe I noticed it, but not in the front of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't notice it until about the third time I watched this movie in the last two weeks as I kept rewatching it because I enjoyed watching it so much the first time and I had forgotten how much fun it was to watch. Royalton is here to offer Speed Racer resources if he agrees to drive for him. He gives an impassioned speech about the importance of independence and convinces Speed and the Racer family to go with him to tour Royalton Industries and meet his family, quote-unquote. They take a luxury jet to Royalton Industries, where Spritel and Chim Chim get their first glance at Chekhov's candy bar, uh, which contains product placement for Juicy Drop Pops, which had a online flash game when this movie first released where you could race the cars from the movie. And I remember that ad campaign maybe more than I remember any other ad campaign from when I was a kid. And I think if you asked um, my brother, who I'm pretty sure is in the room, if he remembers the Juicy Drop Pop Speed Racer game, he would say yes. No kidding. So that's something that didn't even register with me at all. Mm-hmm. Although I like the scene with them in the candy. You were talking about stuff that you... Mm-hmm. Where you liked some gags with Spritel and Chim Chim. I like them breaking into the candy uh, machine. Yeah. So they, they see it here. Pops limits how many they can take. But you know that they're going to be back for that candy later. Uh, they fly over the Grand Prix Coliseum. They talk about, you know, how it's the hard place to race. And it would be amazing to race there someday. And finally arrive at Royalton Industries, which we know is a wealthy place because every single person is on a Segway and everything is in purple. <laughs> 
Yeah, very futuristic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the transportation of, of the future. I'm trying to think if the Segway at the time, if that was, you know, when they were still pushing Segways. The, the, the man who invented the Segway died in a Segway accident, which is ironic and tragic. But I think that might have been, this might have come out mm-hmm. before then, and they were still um, pushing Segways. I did a Segway tour um, <laughs> or ride, and your mom and I did when we were, I think, in Washington, D.C. It was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. And it wasn't, like, super difficult. Huh. Um, yeah. But, you know, they, they always, they look weird, and <laughs> you feel weird riding around in one, especially mm-hmm. as a tourist. Um yeah, but when, evidently they'll be all all the rage in the future. Oh yeah, everyone's gonna be using them. There's not a lot of walking in this movie. Characters don't do a lot of going from one location <laughs> to another unless they're in some sort of transportation. So my assumption is that they're like, well, we can't just have you know employees walking around a factory. That would be sacrilegious in this race car movie. They have to be on something. I guess we'll just get exactly. a bunch of segways. So they go through their tour of Royalton Towers, watching them construct a car. They brag that they can construct a car in like 32 hours or something thing very quickly uh they show a drim for for all their drivers with hamster wheels and g-force training and all sorts of high-tech very expensive opportunities that they could take part in yeah that was another callback to a speed racer cartoon there was a cartoon where they were training somebody and i think it was speed racer cartoon or it could have been some other show where (laughs) they, they, they like he was supposed to be the best racer and then they they wouldn't let him ride and they opened up the competition to everybody and i know without any facts or or references this is all meaningless but anyway <laughs> it was it was a callback to no, if this cartoon. is your you know i've had some friends on the podcast before who are experts in different things you know we had an engineer on for a star trek episode and uh mm. a girl who does a lot of media analysis last episode to analyze a very bad movie and so this is your area of expertise is you know you're a lawyer in real life but also uh, you have a wealth of knowledge about the original Speed Racer cartoon that I do not. So this is we're filling in those gaps. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll just mention offhand that it was a callback. And then I don't remember <laughs> the, the names and episodes of all the cartoons I watched in 1972 or whenever uh-huh. it was. <laughs> uh, they show off the new engine type that Royalton is working on. They brag that they're one of only two factories in the world who can create this type of engine. And of course, close it off because it is trade secrets. And they arrive at a bar where racing legend Cannonball Taylor is there playing cards, uh, talks to Speed about how, you know, if you want to win in the this industry, you, you're signing with the right guy, you're talking to the right guy. But as Speed is leaving, Taylor gives him a little bit of a weird look to kind of clue us into something's not quite right here at Royalton Industries. The tour yep. ends in a penthouse suite where Speed goes to get changed into a a suit that Royalton gives him, and Royalton continues to talk with the racer family, who seem more and more uneasy with the size and wealth of the company. Uh, but what, so they say they'll support Speed no matter what he decides. Yep, I, I thought that was. Uh, I thought it was like um, good that they had Pops call out Royal Dalton mm-hmm. and say like, "I don't like any of this, and money and power corrupts, and but I'll support my son," kind of thing. Yeah, I was glad like, they did. Thought that was go kind of route. realistic for a cartoon actually. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't go the route of making the main conflict for the first third of the movie, like Speed going against his family's wishes and signing with Royalton or something like that, because that could have been very tedious, very fast, because we've seen 
the plot line of child gets involved in something parent doesn't want them to be and then learns their lesson many many times and it it still kind of ends up being that later on but it's done in such a way where speed and his family still end up united for 90 percent of the movie it's 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 only a moment of conflict rather than being kind of a a unnecessary barrier to the racing scenes that we're very shortly going to get back to yep that's right Mm-hmm. So Speed says he's got to think about it before signing with Royalton, and it seems like he's going to say no, uh, but he agrees to meet with him again next week. We kind of jump away from the racer family for a little bit, and we see another driver, Tejo, getting beat up in the office of a thug that is contained within a very large red truck, which I'm pretty sure is supposed to be the mammoth car, uh, which is a callback <laughs> to yeah, uh, yeah, an old speed ra- one of the two speed racer cartoons that stuck in my head forever. I was a little disappointed that we never heard the, like, mammoth car scream sound that it does. <laughs> yes, I know. That, like, cha-cha, cha-cha. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, the horn for the mammoth car was, uh, was spooky. <laughs> yes. The highlight of that cartoon. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah. this is, it's kind of just serving as a little layer for the uh, generic bad guys of this movie. They're threatening Tejo's sister as leverage to show that if they he if Tejo d- betrays them, you know he'll he'll never drive again and his sister will get hurt. And to show off how bad he is, this bad guy has a uh, tank full of piranhas in his office, and he goes to feed Tejo's hand to the piranhas when suddenly uh, he gets a call that someone is tailing them, and they all seem to know who it is. All the goons spring into action as a mysterious car starts hassling the truck. As the truck starts to shoot at the mystery driver, the driver is able to dodge every single shot, shooting an X into the side of the truck. That's right. This is Racer X making his first appearance in the movie. Who, who unbeknownst to speed, is his older brother, Rex Racer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought I was a little bit like, did, what came out first? That scene in Speed Racer or the uh, Fast and Furious movies. Oh, which did come out? When did the Fast? Because it reminded me of like a, a I, I mean, there's a lot of this reminded me of Fast and Furious because you know the whole plot of you do everything in a car basically. Yeah, Fast and, and the Furious the came out. And... <laughs> yeah, the Fast and the Furious came out in 2001. So th- this came out in 2008. So Speed Racer is yeah. uh <laughs> could have taken inspiration from that. I mean, they're this both scene in particular. Movies. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so he shoots an X into the side of the truck. You know, they get into a big kind of fight. Lots of acrobatic car movements. Uh, lots of swerving on the driveway or road, whatever they're on. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're on some sort of mountain road, it looks like. We don't see a lot of backgrounds that really make sense in this movie. That's a lot of either the track or like a very dramatic environment. So it's not really important so much where they are so much as what they're doing. No matter what they do, they can't seem to shake uh, Racer X. And eventually they throw Tejo out of the back of the truck, forcing Racer X to stop and pick him up. And the mammoth car lookalike does manage to escape into the night. As they are driving away from the mammoth car, Racer X tries to convince Tejo to join his fight to bring these bad guys to justice. But Tejo doesn't really seem interested at this point. Meanwhile, Trixie and Speed are off at some sort of like make out point uh talking about whether or not he'll sign with royal and he talks about how racing is all he knows how to do they flirt a little bit but they get interrupted by muttering from the trunk and when they go back to check they see spritle and chim chim hitching a ride <laughs> in the back as they are want to do yeah that's uh yeah that was the call back 
to the cartoon because <laughs> they always rode in the in the trunk of the Mach 5 in the cartoon. That was mm-hmm. kind of their spot. Uh, they'll do a reoccurring bit in this movie where Spritel and Chim Chim are on like cootie patrol. Uh, this yeah. is the first time it pops up, but it will not be the last. Meanwhile, back at Royal, the bigwigs are kind of talking about how if their car wins the Grand Prix, the demand for their special transponder engines will skyrocket. And so Royalton wants to buy out his one competitor so that he could have the monopoly on those type of engines, making this a big, bad business deal. When Speed returns to visit Royalton, who seems to have all but assumed he's signing, uh, Royalton asks if he's ready to say yes, while Spritel and Chim Chim have snuck aboard the fancy jet in order to get to that Chekhov's candy trove that we mentioned earlier. Speed talks about how the decision isn't easy because racing is everything to his family, and after Rex died, you know, it was difficult for all of them, but what brought them back together was that racing was in their blood. Um, He specifically mentions him and his dad watching uh, an old 43 Grand Prix um, and watching old Ben Burns battle it out and win the cup. Uh, Speed turns down the offer from Royalton, which makes Royalton immediately reveal that he is the big, big bad guy of the movie by busting out laughing and talking about how naive Speed is. So he wastes no time in dropping the pretense, which I kind of appreciated. Yeah, I know. It was uh, (laughs) that... It was a very quick turnaround. It was, I, but I guess they, they had to, for the movie purposes, do the mm-hmm. little exposition where he, what are they, like in the cartoons, they say monologue. He used to like go through how the world is evil and he's in control. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a Wachowski movie, which means that the bad guy of this movie is ultimately capitalism. It was the same thing in The Matrix and it's the same thing in Jupiter Ascending. And now it's the same thing here in Speed Racer. Royalton talks about how, you know, the true heart of racing isn't, you know, the the racing that's in the blood of the racer family. No, no, no. It's actually the the economic deals happening in the background. It's the stock prices rising and falling based on who wins. And Royalton basically says, you know, every race it's been rigged. The Grand Prix is always one of the most rigged races. The true heart of racing is the sponsors. So now we've got our main conflict. It's the sponsors versus the racers. Royalton particularly uh, damages Speed's um, hope by revealing that the race that Speed and his dad, you know, came back together with after Rex's tragic death, what the 43 Pre, uh, was one of those rigged races. And he says, you know, all that matters is the is power and the unassailable might of money. As that line drops, uh, we hard cut to Spritel and Chim Chim on a joy ride through the factory. They've fled the jet uh, after the cleaning man showed up and they're sort of just poking around to see what they can find doing, you know, kid and monkey in a trench coat shenanigans. They see a spear hook being developed, which is sort of like a claw that jumps out from the bottom of one car and latches onto another to grapple it so that it can't escape. In indication of um, evils, evil race technology, <laughs> illegal modifications to cars. Yeah, I was wondering why they they didn't say anything uh, between then and later <laughs> on when we actually see it being used. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially if it's this horrible cheating device. Um, but it was, you know, a cool sort of setup for later in the movie. Yeah, you know, we, the audience, needed to see that particular device for the right. ultimate ending of the movie, but 
Uh, it, it was set up far earlier than it actually paid off. So Royalton begins to talk through Speed about how this decision is going to ruin his family. And as he sort of talks through what's going to happen, we see it happening on screen. So we're cross-cutting. Uh, I say cross-cutting, but really they do a lot of very cool transitions in this movie where almost everything is a wipe with an object or a person. So Royalton will move across screen and will go from his office to a racetrack or something of that nature, or a car will cross screen and then we'll be in a new location, I uh, which I think really, really helps cool. build the pace. Yeah. I, I thought that the way they cut, they cut what you said or cross, whatever mm-hmm. you just said, whatever movie, <laughs> whatever film language you just used there to, <laughs> to talk about what it looked cool on the screen. Um, yeah. I, I, I thought it was really, I, I really liked it. I don't know why people like mm-hmm. didn't like it more because I thought it, I can't think of a lot of movies that did that stuff. I don't. I can't really think yeah. of a lot of movies that look like this movie. No, this movie looks really good, and it, it. I think what I personally like about the way it looks is that it, it the way that it is cut and the way that it moves feels like you're in the car. So the all of the wipes and motion keep you going from part of the track to part of the track, from scene to scene with the same sort of pace that you would expect from when, if you were in the vehicle, but it's a little bit different than a lot of, you know, car racing related movies are often cut where it's not meant to be realistic at all. So it's not like we're trying to pay attention to the geography of the space. It's all about the feeling rather than the reality of what's happening. And for a movie that is so over the top and cartoonish, I think that ultimately works. Like if you try to do these same sort of wipes, in a Fast and the Furious movie, for example, I don't think it would be as effective as it is here yeah. uh, in Speed Racer. It's almost like, um, like a like a cartoon, like a comic, you know, like mm-hmm. seeing like going from one block of a comic strip to another, kind of. You know what it is? It's a type of transition that you see a lot in animation, but you don't see a lot in live action, and that's part of I think why it works so well in this adaptation of an animated property i think if you tried to just do this kind of transition with something that is meant to only be live action ever it would be uh it would seem more out of place but because this is the same kind of transition that you would expect to see in maybe like an older animated property or an older anime like this it really it really works it reminded um the movie maybe just because of it was racing and stuff but the movie Mm -hmm. reminded me a little bit of the um best video of all time which which <laughs> what would that be that's aha's take on me um, oh yeah that's actually yeah that's very good <laughs> um yeah now i mean i know that people may argue that some videos are better than others and whatnot but really that's the best video um and <laughs> i grew up at a time when we watched videos um mm-hmm. so i would know and i'm mm-hmm. speaking on a podcast <laughs> so i have the the moral authority to make that statement Yes, um, of course. But yeah, I, I, I loved that video. That was so cool. And this, <laughs> and this, this show reminded me a little bit of that, you know, mm-hmm. at different times. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's got a very unique look, and I think personally, I really like that look. But I can understand that it, it it's very overwhelming. It throws a lot of color and motion at you all at once. So I can see why some people don't like it, uh, even if I. Very much disagree. <laughs> I got so you. So Royal track. begins to. <laughs> Sorry. At every that's what this whole that's this whole show is just how fast can someone get me off track? I mean, 
you know, longtime listeners will know the Sky High episode is where it all began, but it's been downhill ever since. Uh, yeah. So Royalton is, is talking but to you're speed so, through you're so what's going to happen. You're so good at this, Sophia. You really are. <laughs> I am. I'm oh, so thanks, proud Dad. of you. You're very good at this stuff. <laughs> you, you have like a real knack for this. It's not radio, right? This podcast is not radio, but you've no. you've had the announcer voice since. When did you do the 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 newscast oh, in boy. elementary school? Does everybody well, who listens school. to this podcast know that you did? Um, you were the the news announcer for your elementary school in like fifth grade or sixth grade, uh, and was. you were very good at that. Well, thank you, Dad. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad that I could bring my father on this podcast to out my embarrassing childhood story. There's nothing embarrassing about that. You were in front of the camera, in front of the whole school. You read the news. You did very good. It was like foreshadowing of your your podcast career that we've got going on here. Uh huh. Well, speaking of my podcast career, uh, you know, we're at the part in the movie where Royalton is talking speed through what's going to happen to him and his family once he turns down this deal. And so we're cross-cutting between the description of what's happening and seeing it play out. Uh, he says, you know, you're going to go to this next race. Um, you're going to lose because, you know, one of my cars is rigged to win the race. And so he gets spear hooked in this race and speed ends up crashing rather than crossing the finish line. And after that crash, he's like, then you're going to start getting hit with the lawsuits against your family's company for copyright infringement or IP theft and all sorts of, you know, baseless claims, but that are too expensive for you guys to just fight them. And let me, and let me just to... note, let me just note that the, the awful lawyer, the evil lawyer and the evil lawsuit trope is getting a little old in movies. Just saying. <laughs> Most of the lawyers I know are very nice people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, so, you know, Royalton tells Speed all of this. Speed still doesn't agree to sign. Uh, and a guard busts in with Spritel and Chim Chim, and the trio are escorted out of the building, but not before Spritel flips off Royalton as they are getting on the elevator and the doors are closing. Speed meets Ben Burns, the racer he and his dad loved in the 43 Pre in the locker room as he's leaving Royalton Industries. Um, or no, in the locker room after his race that he loses. Uh, and when Speed asks him about the pre, Ben confirms that he seems to know that he was going to win the whole time, which kind of is the final nail in the coffin of Speed's faith in you know racing the sport that he grew up loving. The racer family hurt by these lawsuits, just as Royalton said they would, are all sort of dealing with it in their own way. Speed goes off to Sulk and gets a pep talk from his mom about how racing isn't about business, it's about, it's the thing he loves. Uh, and the doorbell rings once again, but this time, it's Racer X. And, of course, Spritel answers the door and screams because he's like, it's the racer, uh, the portent of boom, or, <laughs> right. um, you know, who, a racer who, with a rough reputation. Who, unbeknownst to Spritel, is also his older brother, <laughs> Rex Ray. That's true. And That's we get true. to see Inspector Detector. I think we might have seen yes. him before, but he was a big character in the cartoons. Mm -hmm. I think he's been mentioned, but this is his first face reveal in the movie. Uh, Inspector Detector, who is sort of the detective investigating all these corporate crimes, is there with Racer X, and they're investigating Royalton for fixing races and all sorts of corporate crime nonsense. They want Speed to help them protect Teho, who has a, a file that could ruin Royalton and the other bigwigs that are fixing races if they give it to him. 
uh, but he won't give the file over to CIB and Inspector Detector unless he wins Casa Cristo so that his family's company doesn't go under. The race that killed Rex. It's a rally race and the last shot for those hoping to qualify for the Grand Prix. Of course, Pops and Mom are like, no, you can't do that. You can't do Casa Cristo. That race is, you know, terrible. It's it's a no-holds-barred slugfest. It's what killed our son. Like, no, Speed's not going to do it. But... Speed and Trixie do a little scheming and decide, you know what, even though Pops doesn't approve, we gotta, we gotta do this. So they lie and say they're going skiing and take off for Casa Cristo, which goes over two continents, the announcers informs us. It's a very long race. So Spritel begins watching Casa Cristo on the TV, but switches it off as Pop walks in. And Inspector Detector begins to thank Speed, who's like, I'm doing this for my family, and sort of runs him through the enhancements that they are making to the Mach 5 for this race with such a bad rep. Uh, Of course, it's a lot of abilities on the numbered steering wheel that fans of the original Speed Racer will recognize. You've got your, like, homing bird uh, camera, you've got your jump jacks, you've got your saw blades out of the front, all sorts of fun stuff that are going to pop in from time to time. Your bulletproof glass, your gripper tires that, that come out. Yeah, all the stuff that was in the cartoon Mach 5. Yes, this is our, it's sort of like our um, glory shot, you know. It's like in a Star Trek, they have to do the glory shot of the USS Enterprise. In Speed Racer, we have to do our glory shot of the Mach 5 and all of its various abilities. Yes. Uh, so we get to the start of Casa Cristo, a legendarily dangerous race. And all the goons from earlier are sort of, you know, getting ready. There's the bad guy who was on the mammoth car talking to another driver, Snake Euler, who has orders to take El Tejo or else he won't get to go to the Grand Prix. Um, and we get a little zoom in on all the drivers that have secret enhancements to their cars. There's guys who just have snakes that they throw at other drivers and like morning stars that kind of hang out the back and all sorts of crazy cartoon weaponry ready to try and cheat their way to the Grand Prix. I thought that I thought all that stuff was pretty cool. Like uh, like the different oh, secret yeah. weapons that were in the cars and you know the ridiculousness of them mm-hmm. and each of the club like each of the teams had like a theme. Yeah, there was like the Viking team and there was the team of yes. women and there was like the car acrobatic guys. The flying foxes. Yeah, and and the driving, well you're you're about to get into that, but um it was very <laughs> cool. I mean, all the all the battles on Little, a little bit like a Mad Max scene, actually. Yeah, so Casa Cristo begins, uh, they have to kind of like go through this structure and then they bust out into the desert. That's the first leg of the race. Uh, as the sun rises, they're all off. It's a neck and neck kind of almost like bumper cars in the beginning. Speed jump jacks over cars that try to bump him. And he, Tejo, and Racer X eventually make it out of the building. During the desert portion, Snake Euler is in the lead. uh, And Trixie, spotting from her helicopter, warns Speed about the flying foxes, the first of various headhunters, cars that are in the race just to take out other drivers. Uh, This is where we kind of get to meet a bunch of teams of three drivers that all have a theme like you mentioned there's the flying foxes who are all sort of like women with like crazy makeup and uh pink cars and then there's a set of like viking drivers there's all sorts of fun stuff going on there's the snake oiler that those guys yes there's the guys with the bee who had the bumblebees it wasn't the vikings i think it was enough it was the team that that was the vikings was it i think they would shoot the beehive 
they tried to shoot the beehive. The I know. Th- I remember the beehive, but I can't remember the drivers who threw yeah. it. They all sort of don't matter to a certain point. Right. They're super fun to watch, but they all, you know, they're all going to get busted up by the end of this race. Uh, so Speed sort of like fights with the flying foxes for a bit. He's jump jacking all over the place and eventually decides, you know, no more Mr. Nice Guy. It takes out the foxes racing to catch up with Racer X and Tejo who are taking on other trios of headhunters as the dust clouds of the desert make it hard to see just what goes on in the sands of Casa Cristo. One car throws a hive full of bees, which feels like an unwieldy weapon, but was very fun, uh, and hits another driver. Uh, <laughs> at one point, one of the cars jumps to attack Tejo, and Racer X jumps at the same time and <laughs> you'd think like his car is gonna hit something no 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 racer x just reaches up and punches the other driver that was that was <laughs> outstanding yeah maybe the g- greatest stunt in the entire movie oh it was beautiful and he laughs a little bit afterwards because you have to know that he's having as much fun with this as we are right. you know this race is getting really intense it's, the action is hot uh, meanwhile, Spidal and Chim Chim are waiting for Pops to leave so they can go back to watching the race. Uh, but as soon as they turn on Casa Cristo, Pops comes back in and all of them suddenly realize, oh no, Speed did go to compete. I better believe his family's a little angry. Day one comes to a close with Snake Oiler still in the lead. Tejo's really angry, but they Speed says on day two in the mountains, we can catch Snake Oiler. He's weak on his turns. Speed talks to Racer X a little bit about how it feels like they've teamed up for a long time and they've been driving together forever, which Racer X brushes off. But of course, savvy audience members will remember that unbeknownst to Speed, (laughs) Racer X is his long lost brother, Rex Racer. So of course, they have been driving together forever. Royal Tin's really angry with his goons. They haven't managed to knock Tejo and Speed out of the race yet. Meanwhile, Speed and Trixie talk about how Racer X might actually be Rex, but as they begin to come to that conclusion, Speed gets a knock at the door and figures out that his whole family has followed him to Casa Cristo. Pops is, of course, mad, um, says Speed can't drive a car and change the world and tries to get him to come home, but Speed, Speed decides to stay, Trixie does too, and Mom says if Speed's staying, the whole family is staying. So we've got the whole gang back together. Our family conflict is mostly over at this point. Yep. And Pops goes to work on the car a little bit, fix it. Yep. Pops and Sparky go off to rebalance the Mach 5 because Speed says, you know, it's been a little bit off balance since all those enhancements were made to it. That night, some ninjas begin to climb into the rooms of our intrepid heroes and try and poison them while they're sleeping. It, uh, As <laughs> the ninja attacks Racer X, uh, X makes a decoy and instead 1v1 fights the ninja and wins all in the dark with like a half face mask that he makes from a bedsheet because of course we the audience can never see Racer X's face because we would recognize him as Rex Racer, we have to assume. Meanwhile, the ninja in the Racer family room goes to strike but before he can, Spritel wakes up and screams, waking everyone up and causing Sparky and the gang to spring into action. Uh, Spritel and Chim Chim get to relive their earlier cartoon fight with the same background and everything going for the legs and deep pantsing the ninja and then pops shows off his wrestling chops we get a little close-up of his uh greco-roman wrestling ring uh i thought that was i thought that was a, good, a nice touch <laughs> to have pops as a former mm-hmm. wrestler and i didn't catch at all that the uh that spritel and chim chim were reliving that cartoon i missed that 
Yeah, the background that they do is the same background that they do when they're pretending to fight each other in the cartoon sequence. Yeah. It's very brief, but it was a little bit of a callback to kind of like make that scene tie in a little bit, which I thought was nice. Yeah, that's because pretty interesting. There's a lot happening. <laughs> Trixie, of course, always the one who's on the ball, asks if that was a ninja, and Pop says that it was more like a nanja, which was hilarious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he had some dad jokes, I guess, for Pop's racer, right? Yeah, you gotta, you know, if you're gonna have a character named Pops, he's gotta tell at least one dad joke. I mean, you are presumably the expert on dad jokes here, you know, how many is too many for a, a father figure in a movie? There's, there's no limit, there's no limit. The more the better, and the more dad jokes you tell, the more esteem you'll be held in by the other dads, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there like a ranking board for that? Um, it's sort of... Uh, like subliminal kind of like your color scheme in the movie mm. you just you know you know someone who's one point with their dad jokes when you hear it gotcha okay it's important research you know it, it's the stuff that you would never really learn unless you ask directly at the source right right yeah you get it everybody when you're when you go to the hospital when your first kid's born they give you the manual with all the dad jokes and you start to study so that you you know them when they're old enough to speak <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, though, although the Racer family and the unknown extra member of the Racer family, of course, Racer X, managed to defeat their ninjas, uh, Teho was not so lucky. His sister, Haruko, gets speed in the gang and tells them that Teho's been drugged and he won't be able to drive in the morning. Luckily, Trixie has an eyebrow raise of an idea. So the next day, the gang takes to the track, Sparky and Pops in the copter, speed on the road, and Teho's sister, or so we think, heading to a plane. As a goon shows up to kidnap her, though, quote-unquote, she reveals that it's actually Teho dressed in his sister's clothes, and Trixie is the one in Teho's car. Speed, Trixie, and Racer X make for Snake Oiler, winding their way through narrow mountain turns. Uh, Speed, driving very aggressively, manages to take the lead, and as they approach the mountains in a spot where there's no cameras, they go to swap Teho and Trixie out. As they are going to kind of swap cars, a bunch of the goons led by the guy who tried to break into the plane surround them, and they have a little bit of a fight. Spritel and Chim Chim having hid in the trunk of one of the cars, throw poop at the head goon, and they begin another comic book style action set piece. All the fighting is super stylish, and everyone except for Sparky gets to take down a goon. This is the second time in the movie that Sparky has tried to fight and not been able to do any damage, and I kind of felt bad for him. I know, I know. <laughs> Poor Sparky. The fight scenes are interesting, because um, the one thing that's really different about this movie than the cartoons, and I've seen it in some other shows that have adapted the old cartoons, is that in the mm-hmm. original Speed Racer, people died left and right. Like, in the original Speed Racer, <laughs> he would have grabbed the gun and blown those guys away, and that would have been the end of that show, of that, like, scene. Um, the original Speed mm-hmm. Racer, when the cars crash, the people are dead. And not always, but often. Um, you just see explosions mm-hmm. and stuff. And this show, they have these cool, like, escape pod things where if the when the person crashes, they get surrounded by this foam and are ejected into this safe foam ball and uh and they right. all presumably survive except for rex racer who who's the only the only fatality that we ever hear about in the racing um 
there's a throwaway line at some point in the movie about how like Rex's uh, safety device was supposed inspector detector uh, thought it might have been disabled uh, or tampered okay. with, which I think is supposed to explain why it didn't work for him. Of course, we'll learn the real reason is because Rex Racer faked his own death in order to become Racer X, but we're not quite there yet. That, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but it is interesting like that. Yeah. Like, they did this in, uh, remember the G.I. Joe movies? Because G.I. Joe was an mm-hmm. old cartoon back in the day, too. And back in the day, in the G.I. Joe cartoons, they killed all the bad guys. But now, in the uh, yeah. in the movies that they made, everybody parachutes out of their plane after it gets shot down and stuff. Um, mm. It's kind of taking the Yeah, it's out. interesting. This movie is rated PG, which is surprising to me. I mean, it makes sense based on its target audience. But the like they there is a line later on where they do curse in this movie... And Spritel has already flipped the bird once. And I I guess 2008 was a different time because I don't think that a movie would be allowed to be rated PG with that content in it now. I think it would get bumped to PG-13, but I thought it was great. I mean, I like the little bit of a... I feel like this movie is still fun to watch as an adult. Yeah, and it I agree. would it, it both appealed to me as a child, but it is still funny and engaging and has high enough stakes that as an adult i'm like oh no you know i'm fully invested in how ridiculous everything is speaking of ridiculous in this fight scene chim chim i'm pretty sure does kill a man with a wrench <laughs> uh which is funny because it's a monkey with a wrench haha right. uh and <laughs> and everyone sort of shows off their fighting styles um when the fight's over everyone gets back into their cars trixie gets into the copter and Teho takes to the road now recovered from his previous ninja poisoning the race is back on while they were fighting, Snake Oiler had managed to take the lead, but Speed and the gang are, are back, right up breathing up his neck. The only obstacle left is, of course, the Maltese ice caves where Rex quote-unquote died all those years ago. The caves are really neat because they're fully, like, tube-shaped, so, you know, at various scenes, the cars are going a full 360 around the edges of the cave, uh, kind of attempting to get around each other. I thought, I thought that racing... I thought the racing was really cool like you're saying how the caves are cool because they could drive like upside down and go around the caves and mm-hmm. stuff you know the whole every one of these races that they had in the movie the cars were doing like crazy stuff like they always fishtail oh, around yeah. every curve and they ju- <laughs> have the jumping jack thing and they fly and they crash into each other um i thought it was really exciting and clever how they had all that how they did that racing mm-hmm. i thought the cars were, were yeah. yeah, great. I think that sort of goes hand in hand with the whole, you know, part of what I love about this movie is they commit so much to the the bit and the concept that they're doing and that like none of this is supposed to be realistic. It's supposed to be fun. So when you decide that your races don't have to be real anymore, you can have cars that, you know, jump jack and right. you can have Racer X punch a man in the face while driving a car right. and you can and go do... full 360 through an ice tunnel. Yeah, they do loops and they have big steep drops and everything mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you know, this is an adaptation of a cartoon that was in its time also a little bit ridiculous. Like Speed Racer's car always could use the jump jacks. He had right. razor blades in the front of his vehicle. Like it was never realistic depictions of racing. So embracing that, uh, I think, ultimately works to the advantage of this movie. Whereas if they kind of went the route of, um, uh, you know, Ford versus a Ferrari, it would it would not have the same effect here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Snake Oiler reveals why his name is Snake Oiler by dropping some oil out of the back of the car uh, and Speed starts spinning out. He goes over the edge of the mountain 
Um, everyone's like, oh no, not another racer child lost to the Maltese ice caves. But don't worry, he manages to use a collection of the buttons on his car to start driving up the cliff face and get back on track. Euler tries to oil again, but this time Speed just drives off the cliff on purpose and gets back on. Um, At which point Euler gets really annoyed and decides to just try and shoot Speed with a gun. But luckily Speed does have bulletproof glass, so that's not going to do anything for him there. I thought the announcers Uh, were really good during that whole scene too. Like the the, Mm -hmm. when Speed did the whole falling down the mountain, jumping across, using the grip tires, driving up the cliff kind of thing. They were, you know, screaming like, I can't believe I'm watching this thing. And then when Snake Oiler yep. starts shooting at st- speed, they say something. <laughs> I don't remember exactly the words, but they were to the effect of, well, it's, you know, it's pretty stressful down there or something. So he's losing <laughs> it a bit. Uh, yeah. There are announcers all throughout this movie that are kind of like, but particularly during the race portions that are commenting on what's happening. They're most notable at during the Grand Prix and Thunderhead, but they always seem to like, they, I think, serve an important purpose of focusing the audience, audience's attention onto what is ridiculous in that scene and just sort of justifying it by being like, yeah, no, everyone in this movie also sees what's happening. And they're like, you know what? That's just the lot we've been dealt today. Like, sure, Euler has a gun in this race. It might as well yeah. happen. It's it's a tough race, you know? It's a stressful situation driving the, them cars real fast. And, and they, you know, I like that the announcers are from all over the world, too. So they're speaking in different languages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my favorite line of any announcer is the German guy who says Spearhook in German later on in the show. <laughs> I actually looked it up. Yes. I was like, he says like Spearhocken or something like that. And I'm like, is that a legit <laughs> thing? So I typed it in like Google Translate and it sent me to the page for Spearhook. And then the definition of Spearhook was like the quote, like from Speed was reference to Speed Racer and you know, a hook used in the car and speed racer. But anyway, <laughs> the, uh, having the announcers from all the say announce in different languages was pretty effective at, at mm-hmm. making it seem like a worldwide event. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, speed racer and Shakespeare both creating words. Clearly, they're media of the same caliber. So, <laughs> I, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, but Speed and Euler are, of course, neck and neck until Euler is knocked off the track and Speed and the gang pull in for the win. Speed does the jump out of his car that uh, they do in the theme song for the cartoon. It's sort of like a very particular pose and they sort of freeze frame for just a second as uh, Speed and Tejo and Racer X celebrate. Yeah, I like that jump out of the car move, mm-hmm. you know, with the arms and the legs, you know, the way he does in the cartoon. Yep. But despite the celebration of our trio, all is not well. Royalton congratulates Teo's dad. And while the racers celebrate their victory, Royalton and Teo's dad and his company talk business, selling their plant and ultimately betraying Inspector Detector. Teo does not give over any sort of file. And the big bad rich men are still the big bad rich men. Speed, frustrated, goes over to Thunderhead and starts racing around the track angrily by himself until eventually Racer X joins him. Speed and Racer X sort of like race a little bit and then talk about what happened. And he's like, Speed is like, you're Rex, aren't you? My older brother, uh, you're not unbeknownst to me anymore. But when Racer X takes off his mask, Speed doesn't recognize the face. It's not Rex. Dun, dun, dun. They have a little heart to heart about how racing doesn't change, but it changes them. Uh, and Speed needs to kind of figure out why he keeps driving. 
Uh, back at home, Speed begins to pack a bag just like Rex did all those years ago with the plans of leaving. And he has sort of flashbacks to when he asked to go with his brother as Spritel asks if he can go with him. Uh, Speed and Pops sort of chat before Speed leaves. This time, instead of yelling, Pops apologizes for how he acted and he says that he's proud of Speed for doing what he thought was right. Even though Speed thinks the whole thing was meaningless, Pops is like, if you leave, you, you, you know, you can leave, but you can always come back home. We all love you. Uh, it's very wholesome. No, he's, he doesn't say it like that. <laughs> hey, I'm stopping you right there for a second. Because this, as a parent, this line was the sort of most memorable, not memorable, the, the line that hit me the hardest in the movie. And I'm going to read it to you, mm-hmm. my daughter, who moved <laughs> away from home to the Big Apple to pursue her career and left me sitting here in Glenside all by myself. I'm going to read to you <laughs> what Pop said to Speed. Oh, boy. All right. I actually wrote this part down so I could read it to you during this podcast. And <laughs> so Pop's racer says to Speed the way I'm saying to you now. Speed. And you would hear Sophia. Uh-huh. I understand that every child has to leave home, but I want you to know that door is always open. You can always come back because I love you. Aww. Oh my God, that just kills me. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna tell I you tear right up now, a little when I hear that. <laughs> you and I have very different most memorable lines from this movie. We haven't gotten to my most memorable <laughs> line yet, but that was very you sweet. Wait. <laughs> I'm going to say this to you. It was said to me. I will say it to you. Just wait till you have kids. Uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, anyway. Anyway. I'm so yep. proud of you. Continue on with your podcast. <laughs> oh, yes. The podcast we're conceivably on right now. As Speed is preparing to leave, uh, Haruko appears at the door. She apologizes for what her father and brother did. And she wants to teach them a lesson. So she gives Speed the invitation to the Grand Prix. Uh, since he was on the winning team, he technically can use it, uh, and her brother's not going to race there anyway. Pops calls for Sparky, who emerges from the kitchen, where it turns out the whole family was spying on their little heart-to-heart, and they're about to build a car in 32 hours to kind of show up Royalton Industries and also get ready for the Grand Prix. The gang shoots into action as everyone is, both Royalton and Racer family, are preparing for the Grand Prix. They're building yeah, the I love I love the montage, the the car building montage mm-hmm. before the grand prix oh it's where so they're cool. all contrasting you know royal dalton and all their riches and then the racer family in their garage you know welding together the new race car the new mach 6 this time um you know mom is making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in an assembly line and mm-hmm. you know spritel and chim chim are painting the car yeah it was very cool very cool. It you know it shows that they're they're a team. They work as a unit. They've got that uh, chemistry. Uh, at the beginning, when Royalton tries to recruit Speed, he says, "You know, you've got something here that drivers and teams spend years trying to create chemistry." And in this scene, we see that racer family chemistry really pulling through. Royalton preps Cannonball Taylor to drive his new Royalton car with its fancy engine in the Grand Prix. And as the Mach Six is finished up, Speed starts her up, and the racer family heads out in a rush. They show up with their invitation. Inspector Detector helps make sure they get in and entered without any trouble. Uh, and when, of course, Royalton hears of this and asks where Speed got his invitation, he has no way of stopping him from entering. 
And Speed Racer is announced as the last-minute number 40 entrance in the race. And Speed Speed Racer says, when when he's asked where he got the the invitation, he says, I want it fair and square. Mm-hmm. Which sets up the, you know, actual race versus everything's fixed kind of uh, yep. conflict. Uh, speaking of fixed, as he enters the race, all the other drivers get an, an alert that there is a price on Speed Racer's head. Spearhook is in- installed in the GRX, Cannonball's Royalton car, and everyone kind of preps for the lineup. Sparky and Speed have a little heart-to-heart, hug it out before the race. The engines start, and the final countdowns begin. The Santa race... Did you catch, Sophia, did you mm-hmm. catch um, the the reference um, to Hoosiers, which is one of the all-time <laughs> great sports movies? When, so when Sparky <laughs> and Speed are getting ready to start the race and speed looks up and says about the stadium. It's really big. And Sparky says the cockpit of the car is the same size as it was at the other race that they won. Um, which is the callback to a great scene in the movie Hoosiers, (laughs) which everybody listening to the podcast has to now go and watch. Um, Gene Hackman's the coach in the, in in, a team in Indiana and it's a small town team and they're in the state finals and they're playing in a big stadium for the first time. And he makes the players measure the height of the, of the rim to the floor to show that it's the same 10 feet that it would be at their own hometown uh, stadium. And the foul line's the same distance away and the court's just the same size. Anyway, huh. that, was, that was the reference there with sparking and speed <laughs> or at least a parallel uh, act. Good to know they managed to sneak a Hoosiers reference into the uh, Speed Racer live-action movie. It draws Speed Racer draws from like you. You made a Shakespeare reference. You can't <laughs> you, can, you can't fault me for my Hoosiers reference when no, you make no, a Shakespeare reference. No, no, they're the same. Reference. You know, same caliber uh-huh. of uh, fame and <laughs> literary renown. That's right. That's right. It's a good movie, and it's. Uh, calls out to a lot of other good movies too <laughs> so people should watch it all right well as that's off and uh, the best part of the movie is coming up we haven't even got to the best part of the movie which is the final race scene which is awesome yeah speaking of the final race you know our drivers are lined up and then they are off immediately speed is targeted by the other drivers he's behind but he's gaining fast as everyone guns for speed he just keeps flying past the competition nearing the leaders uh cannonball in his time is also taking out his competition uh and they head for the big drop which is exactly what it sounds like because all of these tracks look like hot wheels tracks and it's fantastic um speed isn't quite in perfect control but manages to stay on the track gaining on cannonball and now they are neck and neck uh this is when my favorite um quote of the movie happens because as they are oh my god wait wait stop are you gonna don't say it don't say it (laughs) because My favorite quote in the movie, like the Pops Racer quote was the most heartfelt quote for Mm -hmm. me. But my favorite quote, the one I watch over and over again, you're going to say it. And um, go ahead, say it. Yeah. So Speed is driving and, you know, he's jumping around and it goes to a close up of him. And he says, of course, the iconic line, get that weak shit off my track, which I think about daily. (laughs) I love that. And I was thinking even the line right before that where he says like okay mr two-time champion future hall of famer show me what you got and he says it in that kind of like i'm coming to get your voice 
I love oh. that whole scene. Speed is yeah. always in control in this race. In a lot of the other ones, you know, in Thunderhead, he's solidly in the lead. You know, there's no risk of him losing that race. The second race we see him in, you know, he has to lose. It's when the villain is setting him up. Casa Cristo is always sort of a, up in the air about what's going to happen. But in the Grand Prix, even though there are some moments where he has to do some tricky stuff to kind of get to the front, Speed is always in control of what's happening. Cannonball in trouble now as Speed is managing to stay ahead of him. In desperation, uses the spear hook, trying to cheat and win the race. It looks like Speed is trapped, but he uh, thinks and jump jacks and to the camera reveals that there is a spear hook as suddenly all the audience gasp, all the announcers gasp, and they realize that uh, Cannonball Taylor and specifically Royalton Industries are cheating in order to win the pre. He and Taylor go off the track, ruining Re Royalton's reputation in one move, but uh-oh, the Mach 6 won't start. Sparky begins working overtime to try and get speed back in the race, and Racer X and Pops are both like, just listen to the car, speed. It's sort of the use the force moment, um, except there's no force in this movie, there's mechanics. You can hear cars, it's fine. Right. But it was very much like the, like use the force loop kind mm -hmm, of thing mm -hmm. yeah it's it's the same effect with a different line you know listen to the car right. use the force it's all the same <laughs> speed closes his eyes he he zones into the sounds of his car and to see if he can figure out the one thing that will restart it and bam of course he figures it out he is back in the race uh, he manages to get back on the track. He's now driving in the zone. Speed has this race. Every quote of importance from the movie goes through his mind. We hear every single li lines from Rex, from Pops, Royalton, everyone who's ever doubted him, everyone who's ever supported him. All of that is happening in the background. The crowd is going crazy. Speed is a man on a mission with a quarter of a lap left to go and only two cars in the lead. The gray ghost tries to take him out, but there's just no way he's going to make it. Speed pulls ahead, everyone cheering him on, even Tejo, as Speed takes out the other drivers and leaps over the finish line on a nosedive. Car busted, but definitely coming in first. Speed has won the Grand Prix. Uh, the cheering becomes a roar in the background. Flashbulbs from thousands of cameras go off, and Speed Racer it is was, a champion. It was the racing equivalent of watching the final round of Rocky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, Rocky two, Rocky two through four, where he pulls it out and wins at the end. Not Rocky one, which was an Academy Award winning movie mm -hmm. where he actually doesn't win the fight. He becomes but the people's Rocky's champion. Rocky two through yeah. five, where he wins. Exactly. Um, yes, it was, I was awesome. I, it's I, so hype. I love the flashbacks. You know, I like, and you don't even like, you, you kind of set aside the disbelief, like saying because the cars are doing all mm -hmm. kinds of crazy things. So, like, he comes back from the crash, and all of a sudden, he can lap people like his car is yeah. the fastest thing on earth. But it was just really cool, I thought. And the announcers oh, yeah. are cool. Um, the Ben Burns, who had fixed the race all those years ago, was now cheering him on. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. Tejo, like you said, was cheering him on. And Royal Dalton... Like, he's losing his shit. Yeah, he, just... he, like, throws an ice sculpture over, like, shatters <laughs> yeah. in the ground. He's been defeated. Um, the crowd swarms onto victory lane all around speed. He's in a daze. The crowd, you know, crowd serves him out of his car and over to the winner podium. Racer X and Inspector Detector are proud, declaring that this is going to change everything because, you know, speed managed to reveal cheating in the race. So, you know, that's going to 
uh, take down the evil capitalist Royal Tin Man. Inspector Detector turns to Racer X, who, of course, we learn is actually Rex Racer, who faked his own death and got plastic surgery to become Racer X. Uh, and ever asked him if he thinks he made the wrong choice hiding the truth from his family, but he's like, you know, no, this is what protected them. Speed gets to drink some milk, Sparky too, and the whole Racer family has their moment on stage. Uh, Speed and Trixie get a dramatic kiss that was promised at the beginning of the movie. Uh, of course, Spritel and Chim Chim do um, pause the movie to warn cootie-sensitive viewers to skip ahead if they don't want to see that. The cup is presented, everyone celebrates, and a series of newspaper covers, you know, reveal that Royal Tin was indicted with the help of Teho and uh, taken down. And that is our picture wrap on Speed Racer. Except, Sophia, <laughs> except that you then have to, you have to watch the end credits and listen to the Speed Racer song in the end oh, credits. Yes. Because they do, yes, the, ori- like they do the original <laughs> Speed Racer song. And they sing it in Japanese, I think, if I'm remembering right. And uh, um, they do just a lot of different like references to the old cartoon. So you do want to watch the credits and listen to that, too. Yeah, so they made a song for this movie, uh, a track that samples the original Speed Racer cartoon theme and then also samples like audio from the cartoon. So lines from Trixie and Speed and Sparky and everything. Uh, as well as playing the original theme itself as uh, scored by Michael Giacchino, who is a, a favorite composer of this particular podcast. The c- kind of credits roll over images of Chim Chim the monkey being Chim Chim, which is just great. And uh, yeah, Speed Racer ends on a high note and then it goes out hype. The final race is so exciting. And no matter how many times I watch it, it's still exciting, even though you know what's going to happen. And I think a lot of that is because of the way that it is shot and edited like it's so over the top that you can't help but be pulled in to the world of that last race and how exciting it is and i think that that is why every time i watch this movie it ends on a high note because every single time i'm just so excited for to see speed racer win that grand prix i agree and i i've so i will go back and watch it once in a while and you can now that once you know the story and you've seen the whole movie which like i said in the beginning is kind of a long movie Mm-hmm. Um, there's the three races, basically, there's the opening scene race, there's the Casa Cristo, and there's the Grand Prix. And you can just mm-hmm. watch those three races in like <laughs> 20 minutes. Um, and it's, it's just really like entertaining and fun. Mm-hmm. And you watch it, you pick up new things when you watch it and very clever. Yeah. So, you know, we usually try to do kind of closing thoughts on this podcast. I think I know how you feel about this movie, but is this something that you enjoy? Is this something that you would recommend to other people? And like, when would you recommend maybe watching this movie? What kind of situations? Since I think we're both kind of in agreement here that we would recommend other people watch this movie. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think totally you should watch it. You watch it when <laughs> I'm like a dad. Watch it whenever you get time. When you're not working, you're not, cut, <laughs> you're not cutting the grass around the house. If you got some time, you watch the movie. Um, but watch it when you have your own energy level to match it. So it's not like mm-hmm. I'm falling asleep at night. Let me throw this on kind of movie. Yeah. It's more like I'm going to watch this, you know, early in the evening with some friends and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I, that's that it's a high energy in your face kind of movie. Um, and so I would watch it when you're when you're up and not like put it on before you go to bed kind of thing 
Right. Yeah, this is definitely a, this is going to hype you up whether or not you were hype at the beginning of watching it or not. So if you're trying to stay awake, great option. If you want to have a lot of fun watching a movie, another great option. If you're trying to relax, maybe not the best choice. You can you can add it to your like pre-event, like whether you play sports, where you have a big day at the office <laughs> the next day or something. If you need to get hyped mm-hmm. up, there's a handful of movies that are kind of go-to for that. I mentioned Rocky. Yeah. I mentioned Hoosiers, <laughs> another one. <laughs> Um, you could, this, you could throw this in there. If you want to get hyped up, you could watch uh-huh. Speed Race, the last race of Speed yeah. Racer. You could do a, and, do a Hoosiers Rocky Speed Racer triple feature. <laughs> yeah, anything that gets you, you know, um, any of those movies <laughs> that get you like fired up kind of thing at the end. So, um, that's when you should watch it. Yeah. I mean, I can't recommend this movie enough. I really love it. It's, it got critically panned, but I think... There is a lot of value in watching it anyway. Um, but, Dad, thank you so much for coming on this podcast well, and sharing some uh, childhood stories and a fun watch together. Yeah, no. Well, yes, when you should watch, we should watch it together. You're coming over this weekend for <laughs> Father's Day weekend. Come on over and we'll watch the, the final race again. And uh, anyway, thanks for. Uh, enjoyed hearing your voice for as long as i got to talk to you it was nice it was like the podcast was a way for me to keep you on the phone for an hour and a half or something like that and and uh talk to my daughter so that you know if you want to do anything else i'm 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 here for you if you want to make it a a father's day uh, special every year we could do that too whatever i'm sure i could (laughs) think of something to say for some other movie well, we got to watch Hoosiers next year, it sounds like, based on... Oh, yeah. Well, you haven't seen Hoosiers? It's Gene Hackman. No, He's I've really never good. seen Hoosiers. It's, it's very good. Um, All right. Well, we're, get, we're getting into the weeds on another... We'll save that movie for uh, next Father's Day. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Dad. My pleasure. And uh, thank you all for listening. Um, we'll be back in two weeks with another movie, another guest. But until then, uh, have a good one and happy Father's Day. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back on July 5th talking National Treasure. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns before then, feel free to email the show at moviestruckpod at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. Happy Father's Day and happy watching.